Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the newsroom of South Coast Today, this is ST Speaks. A podcast diving deeper into the news of the day and covering hot-button issues that matter to you. You're listening to ST Speaks. Welcome back to the Courtside with Kurt podcast. Alongside longtime Standard Times Cops and Courts reporter Kurt Brown, I am digital editor Brendan Curie. Thanks for being with us today, Kurt. Uh, Good afternoon, uh, Brendan. All right, a little bit different today. No uh, Facebook Live video. We've been having a little trouble with the audio, and we just decided, uh, you know, we'll just go with what we do best today, and uh, you can listen to us. And uh, today we have a little bit different of a story, too. It's a, it's a family search for answers over a seven-year span. Uh, uh, Kurt wrote a story a couple days ago on uh, the seven, seventh anniversary of the murder of Paul Vasconcelos II, and uh, his, his family is still in search of answers uh, all these many years later. Answers, uh, justice, and closure are the key words here. Uh, this family has a commitment to each other. Uh, they are committed to, to finding an answer, to learning what happened uh, to the uh, second oldest child in their family, uh, Paul Vasconcelos II. So uh, he was uh, from New Bedford, his family's mm-hmm. from New Bedford. He was a Voctech, a Great New Bedford Voctech graduate, mm-hmm. and he had gone out to the Rochester Institute of Technology for school and ended up uh, staying in the Rochester area, kind of the Finger Lakes region of New York, mm-hmm. and uh, it seemed like he was living a pretty quiet uh, life up there. And then uh, the night of October 24th, 2010 came, and I guess t- take us through what we know about uh, what he did that night. Well, the one thing I, I would add to that uh, biography of, of, of Paul is his family was quite proud of the fact that he was a Standard Times paper boy. Oh, uh, wow. That's it's, great. It's a tradition that passed all the way through the family. And, and, I'm uh, sure we have a few listeners out there that probably were uh, Standard Times paper boys, uh, and, and we appreciate all their efforts out there. We sure do. We can't. Uh, they're a vital part of this industry. But um, uh, getting back to the sad story, the, the family had uh, told me that uh, he had uh, gone to, to his church. Uh, he worked uh, transporting uh, um, handicap people to uh, to job sites uh, to school uh, wherever uh, transportation was needed uh, so uh, Paul the second uh, had gone to his church then had gone to the grocery store uh, parked his car uh, on the street near his house and was walking to his home when he was confronted by a gunman and uh, so he was attacked, and uh, the, the gunman ran off, and uh, Paul was able to call 911, mm-hmm. uh, and he was able to give a brief description of his attacker, uh, which was a black man in a gray hooded sweatshirt. That's correct, yes. Um, but uh, he, he did, not, did not make it. No, he did not. Uh, he died about an hour later at a uh, local hospital. Um, he... As you said, he called in a description of the suspect. Um, 
His body was found in a a neighbor's driveway, again, just very close to his home. His family is perplexed uh, as to how this possibly could have happened. Uh, I spoke to the father on Tuesday, and his father said that police have three theories about the uh, murder. One was that it was a robbery. Two, that it was mistaken identity. Or three, that it was a crazy gang initiation where somebody uh, has to kill another person to be a member of a gang. His his father is just beside himself with it. Now, now this is the seventh year, and the uh, dad has carried on the fight uh, every single year around his son's, the anniversary of his son's death, because he just does not want him to be forgotten. Yeah, I mean, if something like this happens, you don't, you know, there's a tendency for it to kind of, for those who aren't that close to it, for it to kind of go away and recede into the background. And uh, so his family's definitely been pushing this. So this isn't even the first year you've done this story. That is correct. I believe they've, they've talked to you in the past. And uh, so you talked to Paul, his father, and also Sherry, his sister. That is correct, yeah. When I spoke to the dad on Tuesday, I could just, I talked to him over the phone, and I could feel his pain over the over the phone, and he was nice enough to um, have his uh, oldest daughter, the oldest uh, um, child in the family, uh, uh, contact me and send me some photos of Paul. One was of him running in the Rochester Marathon, uh, New York, Rochester, New York Marathon. And secondly, uh, a, just a, a stand-up shot of him. Um, and his uh, sister was just so Paul, the second sister was just so so eloquent. She just says that something like this just shatters your family, it and you realize that the person is not away, but the person is never coming back. The loved one is never coming back. I mean, she expressed the family's pain so eloquently. The rest of us can can only imagine, really. I mean, it's, it's tough to grasp uh, exactly what what that family's been going through for for seven long years now. Seven long um, years. Now, I mean, are there have there been any developments in the case at all in in that time? Or um, it, that it you're is, aware of? It, as far as I know, no. The um, the father. Now, getting back to the father, he says that it's been classified as a cold case. Um, uh, I've tried to contact or, um, on Tuesday and today on Thursday. I contacted the uh, detective assigned to the case, Thomas Cassidy. Um, I haven't heard back from him. That's with the Rochester Police Department? That is correct. Yeah. And um, I also today contacted the uh, chief's office and asked that the public information officer give me a call. I, haven't, I have not heard back from them as to what developments there have been. Uh, when I did the story either a year or two ago, and uh, I did speak to Detective Cassidy, and he said that the police were just perplexed, that they had no leads in the case. Um, I got the feeling that it wasn't going anywhere. Probably always tough. I mean, uh, when there, there's no motive to determine that, uh, a lot of times that, that leads to a lot of dead ends, probably. Yes, yes, you're absolutely right. But um, 
this is a story about um, a search for for answers to the family. Uh, I mean, the family is, uh, despite their pain, they're, uh, every year around the anniversary, they're holding TV interviews, they're pushing past their pain, they're talking to the newspaper reporters, um, they're talking to uh, media not only on the South Coast, but also in Rochester, New York, uh, about the uh, trauma that they've experienced. Uh, the last words that the dad uh, told me was that he hopes that uh, another year doesn't arrive without answers. And we can all hope that the, the family gets uh, what they're searching for here. That's um, absolutely right. You know, we, we were on uh, doing a podcast, I think it was last week, mm-hmm. on a cold case that it took 37 years to solve. And, uh, and you know, not while well, the... Uh, the widow didn't feel like there was uh, full justice in the end. There at least was some level of closure for some people involved. So um, hopefully this doesn't take uh, 37 years. Hopefully it's uh, less than eight. Yes, true. But And hopefully there is a, a positive outcome. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks for bringing that story to us, Kurt. And um, yes, we'll uh, be uh, watching out to see if uh, in the future anything uh, develops in the case of Paul Vasconcellos. And, th- and I guess the last thing I'd like to say is it, that uh, I know we're in uh, New Bedford, Massachusetts, and this happened in Rochester, New York, but uh, through the power of the internet, that uh, podcasts are played and heard Absolutely. everywhere. Um, uh I hope, I know you do too, that uh, somebody who has some information comes forward to police because no one should be allowed to get away with murder. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll see uh, how much reach our podcast has here. Hopefully something good can come out of it. So uh, thanks as always for listening in. This is uh, Courtside with Kurt. I'm Brennan Carey alongside Kurt Brown. And uh, you can read all of Kurt's stories on southcoasttoday.com and in the Standard Times. Thank you, Brendan, very much. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.